TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozolik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozolik. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. So for today's episode, I recommend that you've already maybe eaten or you're about to eat after this episode because we're going to be talking about breakfast foods, which means lots of recipes and yummy food conversations. And um, this is a question that we get all the time. And like I said a few episodes ago, we like to kind of answer the questions that you guys have been asking us on the Facebook page. So feel free to share your questions there. And we'll start today with breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, look, breakfast is probably the number one meal that most people do wrong in terms of people who are not doing the paleo diet. Um, and often for a lot of people, it's the first meal they start with when they start changing to the paleo diet because for a lot of people, it's it's the biggest change they can make. I know for you, Steph, that was where you started. Yeah, that was definitely where I started because I was having really bad energy crashes throughout the day and, and that was without caffeine. I was having energy crashes. Mm. So it was definitely the, the grains and the sugars and the dairy in the morning that was causing me to have those um, troughs in energy. Yeah, and I think that's the point, isn't it? Like... Breakfast is really the key in terms of, you know, whatever you do for breakfast, in terms of either getting your day off on the right foot or getting your day off on the wrong foot. Yeah, like imagine those breakfasts, now just like imagine pre-paleo days here, um, (laughs) of where you'd have pancakes with maple syrup and maybe some fruit. Such a Maybe a... Okay, so... Sugar and lemon juice. Oh, oh, well, at least you got the lemon juice in that one. Um, But, you know, like I used to have crepes as a kid. My dad was the best at making crepes. And I would put brown sugar, icing sugar, and maple syrup in them. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually there was some butter in there, so we did have some fats. But then you're having that with a glass of orange juice, you know, which is also really high in sugar. Or, you know, maybe my parents were having it with some coffee or tea. Um, so just imagine what kind of day that sets you up for. Yeah, and mine was definitely wheat bix because, right? like you know, in our household, we weren't allowed to have like the cocoa pops or the fruit loops. But you know, for those who aren't in Australia, that's like basically rice with chocolate on it or or grains with all sorts of weird colours on it. And so, and so we weren't allowed to have those because they were like the unhealthy options, which was pretty cool for my parents at that stage because that was you know that was a big deal back then. And uh, but we ha- we would have you know the healthy option. I'm doing my inverted commas here, which was the wheat bix. Because that was like more like the grains and the, you know some whole grains, but we'd have that and we'd have like three or four wheat bix every morning, covered in milk, and then you'd basically like put that much sugar on top of it that it'd form that kind of crusty cake across the top mm. of the thing, and that was what we had for breakfast just about every morning. And and you know what we know that this is the case for a lot of people out there, perhaps even people listening to this show. Although you know a lot of our listeners have probably moved away from that already, and that's why they're doing the paleo show, but. Um, you know, we know that we've spoken before about the grains and the cereals, but it's probably important just to reiterate here that, you know, that's having a huge effect on your body in terms of, um, you know, switching on the stress response in your body in terms of causing spikes of energy followed by crashes of energy. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, the idea that, you know, these cereals that market themselves as the Iron Man food, once again, everyone in Australia is going to know what I'm talking about there. 
you know, that's not Iron Man food. Like, that's not setting you up to have a superhuman day. It, it just isn't. So, <laughs> is that the tagline? Well, no, I don't. It's, no, it's no, the no, insinuation. No, no. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's the insinuation that that's what it's going to do to you, and it's just not the case. So, you know, we know that these high-sugar, high-carbohydrate diets, they're inflammatory, they're linked in with... You know, it's, it's just not the way to go. Yeah, and a lot of these breakfast cereals and bread and, and whatnot are fortified as well. Fortified <laughs> with iron or calcium or got, I don't even know what else they fortify things with. But if you guys have ever done this test where you like crush up uh, a bunch of cereal, put it in a plastic bag and then run a magnet along the side, yeah. you can actually get little bits of iron that come out because yeah. that's just what they've, for, I'm quoting, fortified yeah. it with. Cause yeah, because it's not food, right? It's like pretty much like industrial waste. I mean, that's what it, I don't know if yeah. that's true, but that's what it looks like to me because yeah. it's like actual bits of iron coming out and that's kind of just scary. Yeah, and it's not in the package that nature designed us to absorb, absorb it. So, you know, you'd get iron from from your leafy green vegetables and stuff, from, right? From and there. and that's how we're designed to absorb the iron, not in filings in a... Yeah anti-nutrient cereal yeah and you know what really annoys me is when they market these cereals because they tend to market them at the parents they market these cereals as giving your kids the energy they need for school and that really gets my goat because we know that they're going to burn through that energy before they even get to school and by the time they get to school they're crashing out they're fatiguing they're not able to listen they're not able to concentrate they're not able to learn i mean that's just, you know, not good advertising. That's I'm trying to think of the word to say there without defaming myself. But <laughs> that, that's not good advertising. That That's not ethical advertising, I don't that's believe. It. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it, you know, it is marketed at the parents in the words. But they're really sinister in the way that they go about marketing, it, marketing mm. it for kids as well because they get on board with all the characters that the kids recognize so that yeah. the kid will request it and then it's backed up by this science, evidence and words that it's, it's a good thing for them. So parents are thinking, yep, okay, well, my kid likes this one. I'm going to give it to them. Yeah, but it's not just the kids either. Like, how many adults are eating Raisin Bran or or Wheat Bix in Canada? Mm -hmm. We had shredded wheat. Like, it's literally just the most bland, boring food you've ever eaten. And and people eat it purely because they think it's healthy. Like, I, I can't imagine that people think that by itself is tasteful. Yeah, or because it's got like the tick that says it's good for you, yeah, or you know, it's just tick. it's Aww. just crazy, isn't it? So, you know, we know that these things aren't. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. so uh, uh, in, in addition to that, like I don't know how many people have experienced this. It used to be what I did when I was a kid when I got home from school and I was hungry, clearly because I'd been eating cereal and breads and sandwiches for breakfast and lunch. And then I'd get home and have another bowl of cereal to tide me over until mm -hmm. dinner. And I've got a friend who's got a teenage son. You're probably going to be in for this, but I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to be a lot better established to be able to handle dealing with a growing boy because yeah. growing boys are hungry little beasts um but yeah. you know her son would get home from school and he'd be wanting food and so she'd have, say have some wheat bix and he would eat somewhere in the order of 10 to 15 wheat bix just to feel full quote unquote which was really feeling bloated and the thing i think that upset me or um put me on side or you know i don't know what the word is i'm looking for here but um I think what was really upsetting was the fact that had he been given fats, if mm -hmm. he had known that fats were healthy and safe and not going to give him heart disease, she could have given him a fraction of the food and 
and filled him up and given him good stuff for his brain to deal with to be able to then sit down and study and learn stuff for, for school. Yeah, and I think that's the key because I was the same. Like, I used to get home as a teenager, get home from school, and we would have wheat bix with, like, Promite or Vegemite on top. So for those of you who aren't Australians, you're just, like, cringing like Steph is right now. <laughs> but a lot of Aussies relate to yeah, that. But we used same. to eat that. But And you're right. It's, it's because we weren't getting it right at breakfast and lunchtime that we were starving by the time we got home from school, not to mention what we were eating at recess and you know the yeah. breaks in between as well i think that the point you made about the advertising on the breakfast cereal is a really good point and i know i've mentioned this book before which is um you know all about how to get your kids to eat healthy and uh, the name is actually escaping me now don't tell them it's healthy healthy. And, and and this is what she talks about she talks about actually using the same strategies that these breakfast cereal companies that these junk food companies use in order to convince your kids to eat the junk food, you can actually use those same strategies later on to teach them how to like the, the good food. And, and we'll talk about this a bit when we get into some of the paleo breakfast. But, you know, for instance, if you're doing like a, you know, a green smoothie and you've got all these good n- nutrients in it, you can talk to them about that being a Shrek smoothie or, a, you know, whatever their favorite character is. You know, you can create those links in exactly the same way that these cereal companies and these junk food companies are doing it, you can actually create those same links for health food as well. Yeah, that's really good. I can't remember for the life of me the name of the documentary I watched, but it was, I think it was something like Marketing Minds or something like that, and it was all about how they created um, marketing specifically targeted to children, mm. working out what colours, what shapes they responded to, where it highlighted areas of their brain to make them want it, which is... It's just, like I said, sinister. It's horrible what big corporations are doing out there. It upsets me no end. Yeah, so all of this becomes a lot easier when you're either bringing your kids to farmer's markets Mm -hmm. or shopping, you know, the outside aisles of the grocery store. If your kids don't even go inside those aisles. Or growing your own food. Like the best way to get your kids to eat what you want to eat is get out there in the garden and grow it with them. And I can guarantee you, if they grow it, they will eat it. It's just as simple as that. Yep, it's what my parents did for me and I love vegetables and always have the only one I didn't ever eat was tomatoes so there you go but every other veggie we we grew I loved you it's just so exciting watching it grow if you've got a cherry tomato bush just like keep my kids away from it because <laughs> like, you're in trouble yeah, you'll never be harvesting those cherry tomatoes they're gone yeah so if you've been paleo for a little while um you'll know that the one thing that kind of the argument that you're probably having with yourself is I just don't know what to eat and I'm bored with this food and I guess our prequel to this episode was kind of like, look, all of those foods were boring. So there's Mm. obviously something else going on. The reason that you don't want to have a paleo breakfast or set emotional attachment to, you know, your toast or your yogurt or, or the cereal or whatever you used to have. I think it ends up being kind of an emotional attachment to that. Yeah. Cause I mean that whole variety argument is kind of nonsensical from someone who literally eats the same cereal or the same toast every single morning. Right. So the idea is it's not about variety. Like you might be telling yourself it's about variety and it's not about denying yourself. It's about choosing better options that are actually going to reward you more throughout the rest of the day and and following days. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yana, why don't you start us off and tell us what your typical breakfast looks like, if any? Yeah, yep, that's a very good point, Steph, if any. And we'll come back to that later on when we're talking about, we're going to have a bit of a chat about intermittent fasting. Um, but my typical breakfast, look, I'd have to say most days of the week, uh, Luke and I get up and we'll have, between the two of us, five eggs scrambled um, and just fried. Just really simple, takes us less than five minutes to do that. Um, we either cook it in coconut oil or ghee. We do do um, some ghee. 
And then probably once a week we'll mix it up by adding some herbs into that. So whether it's just some dried rosemary or some dried parsley or fresh parsley, you know, it depends on what the weather's like and if I want to go outside mm -hmm. in my slippers and get some herbs. Um, but we, we tend to keep it really simple. Um, the other thing that we do a lot of is smoothies. So um, our favorite is a banana, strawberry and a coconut milk smoothie. You know, that's sort of our basics. And with raw eggs, Steph, gag. Cue Steph's gag. Um, no, I did pretty well because I was thinking about something else. Um, Yana, when you have your scrambled eggs, do you have anything else with them? No, we just have scrambled eggs. That's it. You just eat scrambled yep. eggs for breakfast. Yep. Um, that's because it's easy. Um, if we, <laughs> that's, that's purely a time factor. And I know a lot of people say, I don't have time to cook X, Y, Z in the morning and eat it. And seriously, it takes us five minutes. It's a lot easier to gulp down some, not gulp, that's probably the long, wrong word, but to eat some eggs than it is to eat some dry cereal and milk. Um, if we have more time, then I'll have some, some avocado, some baby spinach, some mushrooms, um, you know, mix it up with some veggies. If there's leftover veggies from the night before, we'll fry that up as well. But usually we just, for time factor, just the eggs, that's it, done. Yeah, my favourite at the moment is actually from the Make It Paleo cookbook, which for all three of us is pretty much our favourite book. We've probably mentioned that on every episode so far, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. But there's, one, there's a recipe in there which is just like a slice of fried tomato with a poached egg on top with some homemade guacamole on top of that. And it is absolutely delicious. In fact, with a little bit of bacon on that as well. And that is absolutely delicious. It's the one that my wife actually loves, like her favourite paleo breakfast. So it's a bit of a go-to one in our house because because the whole family loves it, the kids love it. It's just really easy, really tasty. Um, and that's a really nice, simple one to do. Yeah, that's our sort of um, Saturday morning breakfast. Right? Yeah, and I like to do smoothies nice. as well. And I'll do smoothies. I'm more often using almonds, almond milk in mine. Yeah. So we tend to make our own almond milk. We just have that in the fridge like every day. We have almond milk made. And to make almond milk? To make almond milk. So you just basically get the big blender. We get a big handful of almonds into the blender, fill it up with water. Uh, we leave it overnight. Um, so we just give, leave it in the blender just to soak. Then in the morning, just blend it up. And like easy as that. If you really want to, you can get the muslin cloth and you can strain out the chunky bits. But I, it's, uh, chunky bits makes it sound bad. It kind of the, gr <laughs> the grittiness, right? You can strain out that grittiness. I actually kind of like the grittiness, and I think it's probably good to leave that fibre in there. And I think that's probably Great. a good thing. So, good so I leave it in there. Bread. And then I just put the, um, we then just put that blender into the fridge. And so we'll use whatever we want for that day, put the blender straight into the fridge so that the next morning we just pull it out, pop it on, give it a quick whiz just to mix it up again. And then we can use that for, for whatever we're cooking that for. I've also heard if you add vanilla to it, it's really good. But I just had a thought and I've, we've talked about almond milk so many times that I've never actually thought of this. When you soak your almond milk, does the water change color at all or is it just, you just soak it, right? No, it just so, soaks. So if we, you know how we always hear that you should soak and soak your foods and stuff ahead. I wonder if it would be much better for you to Change drain water. that water and put in new water because then you'd get rid of the phytates that have been leaching out of the nuts. I'm going to look into that and check. I'll I guarantee you. you that would yeah, be better. I now that would, I'm yeah, thinking about I it. Think it would be. That actually I've, makes sense to me. I might start doing that from now on. Yeah, to um, activate those nuts. But then, so then usually we've got that almond milk sitting there ready to go. And so, you know, I will add into that, you know, sometimes I'll put some veggies, sometimes I'll put veggie juice into that. I will sometimes put some fruit into that. Most times I'll put some raw eggs into that. 
Sometimes I'll use raw cacao and make it like a little bit chocolatey, which just seems like the naughtiest breakfast you've ever had in your life, but it tastes great and it's actually healthy, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. And um, and so, you know, that's, that's a really good example, actually, of how you can make, you know, your breakfast fun. And like, you know, what kid is not going to think that having a chocolate milkshake for breakfast isn't a cool thing, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, and sometimes we'll put a little bit of sweetener in that. So we might use some um, maple syrup or those sort of things. So... Yeah, we really, there's a whole lot of variety you can do with that and make it into all sorts of different things. Yeah, my favorite smoothie that, I, look, I'm not very good at making smoothies. They usually turn out brown or like, I leave them in the fridge You're the too chunkiest long. smoothies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's all just, it's all just, I put carrots and stuff in them and it usually turns out. Like a spoon. Pretty, yeah, but look, okay, so... Most of my smoothie recipes are not very good, and I usually <laughs> choke them down. But this week, this week, I've come across the best recipe, um, and I made it myself. And it is a big handful of parsley, uh, about a third of a cucumber, you know, a small handful of mint from my garden. I grate up some ginger, put in a banana, and then a little bit of coconut milk and some water and some ice and blend it up and it is good it is really nice. good um the banana that i had today wasn't very ripe so it wasn't very sweet so i added about you know half a teaspoon of honey just to add a little bit sweeter so good you couldn't actually taste the parsley at all but you know it's a really good antioxidant yes yeah, so good for you get parsley. to greens first thing in the morning and i just wanted to come back a little bit to the breakfast that we do for our kids as well because i think this is important because mm. usually my kids are usually up way before i'm ready to get up and make a cook breakfast i'll say that to start with so unless it's the weekend we're usually not doing the cook breakfast with the kids but you know my kids have probably what most people consider a very atypical breakfast like they wouldn't think of it as being breakfast and so that might be some cold meat that might be um, an omelette that might be a um, uh, what am I trying to say like a quiche you know, obviously a you know without the wheat base um, you know and then they'll have some nuts and they'll have some fruit and sometimes even a little bit of dried fruit but but that's what my kids have for breakfast right and everyone goes oh the kids don't eat that that's not breakfast you know but my kids have had that's all they've ever had since they've been growing up and that's just what they think of as breakfast they get up they're happy to eat it they really enjoy it it gives them energy throughout the day they're, they're you know I'll tell you what, this is one thing for parents, right? If you want to have your kids be more stable and better behaved throughout the day, get their breakfast right. And I guarantee you, if you get more protein and particularly more fat into their breakfast, they're going to have much more sustainable energy throughout the day. And if nothing else, you're going to make life a whole lot easier for yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's such a crucial point and something that um, was a big I guess a failing when when I started changing my diet over was just not getting enough fat in the morning. And I think it's so crucial because so mm. much of our quote unquote breakfast food is so devoid of fat. Mm. Um, but it's such a crucial part to to fuel brain function to to cover satiety to give you the energy to get through the day. So I always have some coconut oil in there somewhere, or some eggs, or some sort of fat. Yeah, and I tell you what, Steph and I were at the Mind Forum on the weekend and some of the information they were presenting about the importance of fat in terms of brain function and some of the graphic like pictures and studies and demonstrations they had were just amazing. Like, you know, it's just so important for your brain and it makes sense, right? Because your brain is predominantly fat, right? Mm -hmm. I remember when we interviewed William Davis, he was saying, look, one of the best sources of omega-3s is actually eating brains <laughs> because actually that's where a lot of it goes. Your brain is high in fat. So it makes sense that you need to give your body that fat if you want to build a healthy brain. What, so you mean when my mum was giving me sheep's brains for breakfast yeah. and I was high complaining? High it was omega the best thing she could have been doing. Thanks, That's mom. why you're so wonderful now. Exactly. Yes, you're such a genius now. And yep. you know what? My mum told me too when she was pregnant with me, she had liver once a week because that was like the thing to do. So it just that those organ meats really are important. Lots of vitamin D there too. 
So let's go in and talk a little bit about bacon, because this is a big topic Aww. in the paleo world, right? And this is another <laughs> one of those things where you go, well, you know, bacon isn't really paleo, right? It's a bit processed. It's got a bit of stuff added to it. It's kind of, I reckon for, for a lot of paleo people, this is like their big, one of their inconsistencies where they're like, yeah, but I still eat bacon or I love bacon. You so- know what? I'll give up caffeine. I would even <laughs> give up alcohol. Uh, you know, it's, look, I don't binge on bacon. I don't make bacon tacos like those pictures you've seen on the internet recently. Have you guys seen those? Yes. No. Oh my gosh. People are making, like weaving bacon together and then folding it into a taco shell. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, you know, I don't do that. I probably have bacon... If once a week, like actually what happens is I buy a pack of bacon and then have it three days in a row and then I don't have it for another couple of weeks. But it's because you got to wait for our pork guy to come yeah, back Yeah, at the, the market, markets, right? there's a really good pork guy. <laughs> but you know, You're also paying $10 for a pack of bacon makes me eat less of it. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Do yeah. you know that you call him the pork guy? I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I also still eat bacon. I reckon bacon is one of those things that... You know, probably, ideally, I probably wouldn't eat bacon. And, and I reckon probably eventually, yeah, I always talk about my whole journey has been a real journey. And, you know, I spoke about this in my book. It has definitely been one step at a time for me and gradually making changes. And I reckon probably eventually bacon is one of those changes. It's going to be the last make. one on the list. It's surely. so the last one on the list. <laughs> it's definitely the last one on the list. And so, you know, for now, what we're doing is going for the nitrate-free bacon. And I know there's been a lot of debate about that as well as to whether nitrates really are bad or whether they're actually okay and whether the nitrate, the so-called nitrate-free bacon, which is sort of free from the added nitrates, actually still has nitrates because they use other things that contain nitrates to process. I think it's celery, isn't it? Well, yeah, so and well, you have to, by law, preserve the bacon. That's yeah. right. They're using some sort of preservative. Yeah, that's right. So nitrates are in pretty much every green vegetable that's out there. Yeah. But the nitrates that are used in commercial bacon are industrialized nitrates. Mm. So it's a salt that is um, artificially created or, you know, it's, it's not a naturally occurring one. So I know I, I asked our pork guy um, <laughs> if he had nitrate-free bacon and he said you can't get that in Australia by law if they're tell- telling you it's nitrate free it's not and the stuff that they replace the nitrates with is probably a lot nastier was what he said but yeah. again the same thing to he, me. Yeah. he doesn't sell it so yeah. I don't my, you know my understanding was that it's na- more naturally his... sourced nitrates and I'm yeah. pretty sure it was from celery that they used yeah, to actually do would... it and so um, we, we do go that way I think that actually makes more sense to mm. me to have something that's at least from a little bit more of a natural yeah, source definitely. rather than a chemically processed source and so, so we, we do tend to get that nitrate free bacon but like I said I, I think ideally for me in the long run it'll be like you know sliced cuts of roast meat or you know something like that that's going to replace that bacon particularly yeah. in the meals I cook at home obviously that's harder when you're out and about yeah, and that's probably one of the reasons why I still do have the bacon is because if you're out and you go, well, can I have bacon and eggs and not have like the glutinous sausages and can you swap the toast for steamed spinach? You know, I'm one of those like annoying, I know we all are, one of those annoying people, but you know, you can get that. Whereas if you go, can I have bacon and some like sliced roast meat, you know, at breakfast time, they're kind of, they're just looking at you yeah. like you've got, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, eggs yeah. and sliced they look like, like you've got three heads. Yeah, you know what you could do? Um, since we live in Adelaide and we have access to our showground markets, I rabbit on about all the time, but there's a um, Spanish deli guy there. Is that better than a pork guy? Spanish deli guy? It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like dodgy. <laughs> um, so he has nitrate-free bacon, which is delicious. We actually got some last week. It is on the very pricey side, so it's a, it, it, uh, it's a special occasion bacon. Um, but what he does have is... Um, 
porchetta, which is rolled roast pork, and that is amazing. Yeah, that it good. is so good, and you can have that cold, or you can cut it a little bit thicker and fry it, and it's just it's like roast pork. And but let me just say, times better. Going to Yana's house for breakfast was an amazing treat. She yeah. made like this awesome stack. Luke made eggs. Luke, Luke made. Luke, Luke made. Luke's patented egg stack. Eggs and avocado <laughs> and tomatoes and bacon and porchetta and like oh yeah. And we did have some uh, cheese curd on top of that too. All oh, so right, that was a naughty. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I haven't been invited around for that yet, so I'm just like, you know, obviously missing out here. <laughs> yeah, well, but look, and you know, for some people, we talked about about the journey. I mean, for a lot of people listening out there, you're on autoimmune protocols, right? And I know that's something I am um, looking at doing, looking right. at doing for myself to try and find out some unresolved issues with my health. But um, I think that you know, we're so it's basically breakfast is a struggle for you people or, or for us people you people whatever um because you're not eating the eggs the the peppers capsicum or uh tomatoes, toma- tomatoes. tomatoes. Yeah, yeah exactly or potatoes so though that makes a breakfast and all nuts. by itself oh Tend yeah get... and nuts as well yeah so Quite restrictive so what i do i do still I have bacon but um i've actually got some steaks in my fridge that i plan mm-hmm. on having for breakfast with some zucchini and mushrooms and... yeah minute steaks are great for breakfast oh these aren't minute steaks oh well they're you like could, you could also use <laughs> minute like steaks. steaks they're <laughs> real steaks no they're 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 grown-up steaks yeah. <laughs> oh i wish that'd be good but, um, but no uh so i really do some sort of veggie hash like just fry up some veggies in usually like some bacon fat or some coconut oil, whatever I've got with some onions, just some sort of fry up. So but, do, you, do you grate them to make the hash? Is that what you're doing? Oh no, no. It's okay. more like a saute. Like a bubble okay. I guess you can. Sure. I don't know. What is that? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. In my house, it's the leftover veggies from a roast dinner just fried up in a pan. Yeah. So, well, anyways, so I fry up some veggies um, and, and some sort of meat and then I always have avocado and I always have some sort of fruit as my like breakfast dessert so it might be yeah, <laughs> might be an orange see, or banana you get to have or some grapes yeah. you do no, well you know when you eat all that fat it's just to cleanse your palate I, I feel like it's really nice um <laughs> and, the, right. and the other thing is when you're cooking bacon don't wear the clothes that you're gonna wear to work that day it's directed at me <laughs> it's directed at me because i always go the rest of the day and i'm smelling like bacon um, but but let's let's talk about some non traditional breakfast foods then because I well, know I think that's the most important part is to not look at breakfast as a certain time of day that requires a certain type of food, right? Absolutely. Mm. So it's all about the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Like that's really yeah. what it's about. Let's let's have some leftovers, or let's have a really nice salad, or you know, even if you add some fruit and nuts to your salad, then that's a breakfast food. Like, yeah, I, you know what? I love strawberries in salad. They just go so well in yeah. salads. It's strange, but strawberries also go well with balsamic vinegar, which I don't know if that's paleo. I haven't had it in ages, but it's not <laughs> in my house anymore. But strawberries and salad are good. Mm-hmm. Moral to the story. Yeah, and I think that's as simple as that, isn't it? It's it's just changing, you know, because most of you. And I remember when we interviewed. I think it was Rob Wolf who said, you know, everybody eats paleo meals all the time. They just don't even realize it. So even people who aren't paleo. Some of the stuff they have every now and then, like they might have meat and free veg, they might have, you know, whatever they're having. They eat paleo meals, they just don't even realise it. So it's just about finding those meals that you already probably eat that actually kind of fit in with this paleo lifestyle. And then, you know, eating some more of those and and realising that even though that's something you usually have at dinner, there's no reason that can't be something that you have for breakfast. 
And the more you start to do that, the more you're going to start to then create variety on top of that and be able to sort of experiment and do different things too. And how many people have Brinner, like breakfast for dinner yep. out there? I Absolutely. mean, like there's really no reason that it's just some artificial schedule that we've made up for ourselves. I get so excited when I see that 24-hour breakfast sign. You know, there's, <laughs> there's places that just serve breakfast yeah. all day long and I'm just like, yes, yeah. bacon and eggs. <laughs> You know, caveman out there with his hunt going, oh no, it's breakfast. I can't be eating this antelope right now. I'll have to wait for another 10 hours before yeah. I can eat it. It just doesn't make sense, no, right? it definitely doesn't make sense at all. But another thing that I know all of us have kind of experimented with is actually just not eating breakfast at all. Oh, that's um, right. So, get to that. like, I know with me personally, I don't have anywhere to go usually first thing in the morning. Usually my mornings are when I stay at home and do work or clean or whatever, and I will either take one of two approaches. I'll either have a really big breakfast because I have the time and the effort to, you know, make a really big breakfast, or I won't actually have breakfast at all and I'll have a really big lunch right before I have to head out to work. So mm. in both situations, like if I had a really big breakfast, I might have a nibble or something before I go to work and then expect to have dinner when I get home. I definitely don't eat three perfectly timed structured meals a day mm. because if you've been paleo for a long time you'll know already that that those needs for regular meals kind of go away and if you're eating enough fat you don't tend to crave the next meal you know one and a half to two hours later yeah and that's certainly been my experience like you know this whole sort of intermittent fasting movement i, I don't even really realize it existed to be honest and i just kind of started naturally moving towards that the more paleo i went the less i felt like i needed to eat all the time the more I was finding, I would just get up in the morning and just not feel hungry, like not even feel like eating, like almost still feel like I was full, you know? Yeah. And so, so I've sort of just transitioned to that going, well, you know, for a long time, I think I was forcing myself to eat in the morning because, well, it's breakfast and it's like the most important meal of the day. Like everyone tells you, you can't function without breakfast. You And the reason they say that is because people are eating high carbohydrate diets. They don't have any sustainable energy. So if they don't eat something in the breakfast and then try and go to work or to school, they're just flat out, just bombed out, no energy, not working. Oh, I was a wreck. Yeah. I was an absolute wreck when yeah. I didn't eat. I could not. I was not someone who could skip breakfast. I could not rush out of the house without throwing stuff my purse it was impo like, yeah. impossible I would have had a meltdown in public yeah and so yeah and so I found that having gone onto the paleo diet that's just kind of naturally happened I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't feel like having breakfast I kind of like sleeping in I'm like a bit of a lazy morning person so I'm like the longer I can stay in bed the later I can get up that works sweet for me and so I tend to just go and do the morning shift and then I'll have breakfast quote unquote at like 11 or 12 or even 1 o'clock and that's my first meal for the day and I'll usually eat then and then eat again at dinner time and I'm happy, like I'm sweet. Yeah, and if we take a, without using the actual food pyramid, but if you take a food pyramid approach of having to have X amount of serves of vegetable and X serves of protein and, um, and fruit, I mean, essentially our breakfasts used to be nothing. Like you were achieving yeah. nothing with those breakfasts, yeah. nutritionally. But if you switch to a more paleo breakfast, then you're getting like so many more nutrients. Mm. That's another meal of the day that you're loading yourself up with nutrients. So It's all about nutri nutrient density then, isn't it? Exactly. And these foods are so much more nutrient dense that there's no way you're missing out. You're actually getting a whole bunch more in there. Um, I did just want to mention one thing. There's a... There's a uh, 
an e-book you can get on intermittent fasting, which I read, and I found it really fascinating. It was on the Precision Nutrition website, and it was written by a guy called John Barardi, and uh, and he was really good. He sort of did a whole bunch of basically self-experimenting into intermittent fasting and recorded it all along the way, and, and he kind of wasn't really but for or against intermittent fasting. He just sort of talked about the pros and cons, and we might even have to get him on the show sometime. Yeah, That'd be I think it would be really good to get some. Um, but it's a really worthwhile read, just because he kind of presents both sides of the equation quite well and talks about the pros and the cons and it's worth checking out if that's something you're interested in yeah well guys this episode i know we had planned on sharing a lot more recipe ideas (laughs) um but we kind of just got into run over again yeah we got into the logistics of it all so look this is a perfect opportunity for you guys to go on facebook and have a conversation with us and the rest of the paleo people out there so if you're you know eating on an autoimmune protocol post kind of your favorite breakfasts if you're not post those like let's get some let's get some discussion because this is something that we all need to help each other with because it is the biggest question that we get asked and it's what most people struggle with. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot of um, memes out there about people posting pictures of their food, but we love pictures of food on our Paleo Show uh, (laughs) Facebook page. So if you're going to do it, Take a picture and post it to our page. Tell us what's in it so that other people can get some inspiration as well. It's one place that you're totally allowed to do it. Yeah, and encouraged. And encouraged. That's it. (laughs) All right. So until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. Are you craving some downtime? Want to do it in luxury? Want to do it with The Wellness Guys and Up For The Chat Girls? Well, if you answered yes, yes and yes, then we'd love to have you as our guest at the Western Resort and Spa in Fiji for our first ever BFO Wellness Retreat in September. Experience two nights and three days of immersion on your body, mind and soul. LT and Karen Smith will help you overcome any limiting beliefs and help you install or maintain your champion mindset. You'll work with Brett and Kim on creating movement patterns and self-care rituals to keep you at your best and with Cindy O'Meara and myself we'll teach you how to eat and live and not to live to eat in a step-by-step program for more information or to book your spot go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and click on shop